0: armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today.
1: We are focusing on dads with one of our favorite guests, Maggie Dent. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our listeners, and thank you too for supporting our sponsors. An old friend joins us again for a conversation this time about fathering, but also, you know, about boys. Australian parenting author and host of The Good Enough Dad and Parental as Anything podcasts, Maggie Dent. Her most recent books include Mothering Our Boys, From Boys to Men, and Girlhood, and they are all fabulous resources written with wisdom and most of all with humor and with love.
2: Welcome Maggie. Oh it's so good to come back and play with you guys you know that you're my favorite boy champions in the US and I you know jump in every now and then and listen to your podcast and I always pick up some more gems even though I've been working in this area for 20 years yeah we keep on learning Mm -hmm. and I know that you share my passion that our boys still are not thriving in our world and that's why we really have to keep getting together to see how can we unravel all of the things that contribute to that um, and make it a better world for them absolutely and part of that is our dads His and dads. fathering it's
1: so so tough the expectations are so high and it's confusing
2: so one of the biggest cultural things that's happened in Australia and I'm I'm, I'm seeing it is happening around the world is that dads are wanting to be right there, right? They want to step up with their hearts and, and and actually actively become a parent instead of just the guy who's supposed to go and work and then, you know, all the old patriarchal stuff. And you then also, you know, wait till dad gets home, all that sort of horrible stuff that meant mm-hmm. they be open hearted if that's what the world expected them. It's beautiful. You know, I hardly ever see um, mums in playgrounds on weekends. It's just dads everywhere with babies tied on and toddlers. And so what happens, and I've worked with dads for a long, long time, and they want to know how to do it well. And so there's not a game plan, right? And also most dads tell me I just don't read parenting books, Maggie. So we had to work out a way that we could give them really practical, pragmatic things that can make a difference and and let them know that no one, no mum, gets it all right. Mm-hmm. But also, how do we form team parents? Mm-hmm. And there's, so there's a challenge in that, which I think both of you will recognise. In that is that most mums to be um, have already read quite a few books. <laughs> I didn't because I didn't have them, but read books, talked to girlfriends, mothers, sisters. Been around kids like it's embedded in us that there's there's mm-hmm. so much information they already have, and then a dad, they are now welcome from the get go from all the scans and all of that. Whereas in my day, my uh, the father of my boys never came to a scan. Never mm-hmm. he actually turned up to two of the birthing classes and they swore he'd never go again. <laughs> so I think what's happening. Is how do we give them the information? And then something else has to happen, ladies, and that is mums have to let go of bed.
0: Yes. Say they- it again. Say it again. We've said it, but let's your yeah. accent may get through.
2: <laughs> yeah, you've got to step back because there, you know, does it doesn't really matter that the onesie is over the leggings or the other way round? Because the baby is not harmed. We can navigate it later on to get the nappy diaper off. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. No child is harmed. It was done. You didn't have to do it. And I think that is one of the challenges dads are telling me that I keep getting told I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And if you keep telling a boy or a man they're doing it wrong, they just
0: stop doing it and back right out. I would imagine that's especially true when it's a thing that you're trying to do that you're already a little unsure of. You don't have as strong of a base. So you're already taking the risk of doing something that you're not sure of. And I know for me, anytime I'm trying to do something that like, "Eh, this is, this is not my world. I'm very quick to give up on it. And especially if somebody who knows more criticizes me because then I feel foolish.
2: And on top of that, we know that boys and men's kind of self-worth is something they give themselves when they've judged what they've done. And so if they, and that's exactly what's been coming up on the podcast, The Good Enough Dad, how hard they are internally, but they mask that so you don't mm. even know that they're feeling really bad and they're feeling like a failure. And so often that will end up with them just not wanting to do it and fail again, because I don't want to fail in front of the woman I love or the partner I love. Mm. So I just won't do it, I'll back out. And mm-hmm. that's that's where we have to work out, how do we create a, an authentic team And it's about the stepping up and the stepping back at the same time. And also with some laughter and lightness, for goodness sake. One of the things when I've been interviewing all these amazing dads is (laughs) to get them warmed up, I asked them about a very significant poo story they might be able to share from their um, parenting. And, oh, they, they, they remember poo stories because, of course, it's a boy thing, isn't it? Poo stories and fart stories. So... We start with that and already they soften into something that they can feel comfortable talking
0: about. I love that you said that because as soon as you talked about it doesn't matter if the tights are on over the onesie or not. The first thing I thought was no, because they're going to poop all over it anyway.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting because that whole vulnerability again, right? When they've been conditioned not to be vulnerable and still the world sends them those messages that that can be conflicting early on. But the better that they're supported with those, those moments where they feel vulnerable. And the biggest one, of course, is the powerlessness that men feel at the birth. Yes. Because we know they're biologically wired or whatever wired to be the one that fixes and stops things that aren't okay. And they're powerless to do that in that mm-hmm. moment. And that's such a transformative kind of presence and then the other thing I have to keep reminding them is that neuroscience shows that at that point, when there is a baby present, the brain does this massive, massive growth of all these new dendrites because Mother Nature says, heck, we're going to make sure this guy is going to be able to help raise this child. And he hasn't mm. got enough neurons now, so i are going to make millions more. And it's a really exciting time of new growth. So... Mother Nature's on on our dad's side, even if they can't see what's going on inside their head.
1: Well, and I think what's so hard for dads now, too, is they didn't have a model. Likely, their dads weren't there at yeah. the birth, weren't there at changing nappies. So they're, they are somewhat making it up. I am seeing dads. Uh, my son-in-law is getting together with dads. I love that. Yay! Sure. share stories. And I mean, I don't know what they talk about, but at least they're getting together and having, you know, they are all parents of dads of little kids. So there must, there must be that's some conversation. Yes. Really, really big.
2: <laughs> yes, you know, so it's really big so now I've been doing this, you know, seminars now for 15, 20 years, hardly any dads. And then gradually they dripped along, but they were usually dragged. <laughs> yes. right, And that's okay. Really? Because You know, at the end of the day, very rarely did they need to be dragged out. They were very glad they were there. And that's partly because of my, um, you know, my humour because I have to make them laugh so that they stay engaged. And then what we noticed was they were coming in in much more numbers, like Mm -hmm. that man would go and get his brother and a few of his mates and bring them along to the next one. So what we saw them turning up. But the next thing that happened is that you absolutely saw dads meeting, you know, in Australia, we've got a huge alcohol culture and usually men just meet for beer or and then talk about football or cricket or sport. That has now shifted and lots of dads tell me that when they get together, they actually brainstorm ideas on how to be a better dad and they laugh about the muck-up moments, exactly what kind of is is a normalising way in boy culture to make sense of things that I've mucked up. If I can share that with someone and we laugh, we move on. We mm-hmm. don't beat ourselves up. So there are actually coffee clubs. There are walking pram groups. There are podcast groups. There are groups with just dads all on this discovering how to be a dad journey all across Australia. And I'm kind of like they it's so funny, I'm part of an honorary member. And <laughs> nowadays I get stopped by just as many dads for a hug and a selfie as I, I do mums all over Australia. So we know that we're shifting and I think we need to recognise that's going to make it easier. That, that that dad who, you know, once again, we know that they can, and this is, I don't know, did you get to see the viral, um you know, kind of little video of me making a radio announcer cry because I talked about the mental load of women? It went crazy. We needed dads to understand the difference with the mental load that often women carry that men well, most men do not carry, right? Mm. Why can't they fall asleep as quickly? And that is because we are wired, whatever the reasons, um, if we go back to traditional kinship communities, women organise everything except killing mammoth deers for dinner and practising killing. So maybe we're still doing that, who knows? Mm. But that to-do list that we have has become so much longer with the digital world and for women working longer hours and trying to juggle things in a really crazy world. So when I explained what the mental load was in this radio interview, the two men in the room just looked like they just burst out laughing and thought it was funny because they did not actually have any concept of it. So that's why it went crazy. But then what we had was a lot of messages from um, both women feeling really heard, but men saying, what can I do? Give me something off your list. So that's how the team parent can kind of, you know, become something. And I think we have to actually celebrate how important Bluey has become at shifting all sorts of negative perceptions around dad's capacity to father because so much of the TV stuff in the last 20 years was buffoons and men being- Dupus dads. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not doing that anymore and Bluey blew that out of the water. So now we need some really good (laughs) sitcoms Mm -hmm. with uh, our dads being equally as competent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking
1: of competence, you know, our dads are pretty much going to work and expected to be a participatory father. Not that our moms aren't working too, but it's yeah. different. So how how are you talking about that with dads and what are they saying around balancing?
2: Uh, it is one of the deepest regrets when I'm working with fathers of teenagers, they look back and go, oh, my God, I wish I had been around a little more in those early years. Because, of course, that's where our significant attachment can happen. Yeah. And it is something that when you are a teen parent, you can negotiate some flexibility and know that it matters. Whereas before we didn't know it matters. Now dads know that it matters. Yeah. So in Australia, um, we have an amazing um Um, organization called the fathering project and they're working with big organizations at improving fathers leave compassionate leave paternity leave for when when things are tough whether there's a significant illness there's a baby you know so that we can do that and I think one of the blessings that COVID gave us is we now know that many jobs not all but many can actually be you know you can do from home so that has given an incredible gift to fathers they keep telling me i know if there's a sick kid now i don't one of us doesn't have to have a day off and i can work from home and look after my child he said they tell me that that is like it's one of the dilemmas i couldn't win that i need to work to support the family especially with current situations but there's times i want to be around so that you know if my wife works a different job so that's the first thing that's really important there's deep regret so when we we go through to the teen years and they say, well, I wasn't there, I don't feel as close to my kids. One of the most beautiful things that that I find in my seminars for, you know, around dads, it's not necessarily what you say, it's what you do. And mm. so are you creating um, dad dates where you regularly do catch up with one of your children at a time. What do you do when you pick them up for sport? Do you go for some sneaky fries or hot chips? Do you go for an ice cream? But don't tell the rest of the family. Do you have these little moments of connection? So I talk to them about micro moments as well as macro. So it is the high-fiving. It is the hug, random hug. It's the winking. It's the terrible dad jokes that make everyone laugh. It's being (laughs) whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? They fill the love heart of your children too, even if you work long hours. And where's the ritual at home that you do that if you ever leave this planet, they will always easily remember movie night, dad's fry up night, pancake afternoon, bike riding down along the foreshore, whatever it is, you've got to build rituals that you do over and over so they can remember them.
0: What do you say to a dad and perhaps his... his? um his wife or the mother of his children if uh no matter what the age the kid is the specifics would be somewhat different but this dad like i haven't been as involved as i want to i want to i'm unsure i'm scared i don't know where to start maybe mom Mm -hmm. has unconsciously been gatekeeping i know how to do everything you know where would you tell them to start because Uh, it's overwhelming
1: where to start After these messages from our sponsors, I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when
0: your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son Tyler had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight.
1: And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, Bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop.
0: Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys. 20% off for being an onboys listener.
2: It's so easy. I love this. Thanks for the question, Jennifer. And that is we sit down either with We've got multiple kids. It's just a dad meeting with the kids. And you're going to say, right, I want to know three things I can do to be a better dad. Right. I now, like if you've got that. a boy in that meeting, you need to give him a week to work it out. But the girl, <laughs> will give him straight away, <laughs> so we re meet a week later because he's done a really, th- and also three things you would like me kind of to probably not do as much of. So when you've got the dad plan, I find that dads absolutely step up like unbelievably step up. And let me give you an example. So one of the things I talked about in seminars is a lot of dads tell me their dad was really hard, never told him they loved them. So saying I love you, particularly to a son, is kind of like a like really
0: hard. It's unnatural and to them. It feels it, unnatural because it is. It's not, it wasn't their norm.
2: So I say, okay, so I want you to write the note. So um, we know that, so they can write notes in lunch boxes. But I had a dad who had a 14-year-old son who came to one of my seminars and his dad had been hardworking, hardly ever at home and never warm and fuzzy. And so he actually was an architect that worked from home trying to spend more time with his son. But he had this realization in the middle of my seminar, I'm still being a grumpy-ass dad. So um, And I talked about the power of a note. And so he went home that day and he wrote on the mirror in his son's bathroom, I'm really proud to be a dad, love dad. Now, his 14 year old son ran into the bedroom not long after in tears, thinking, I didn't, I don't even think you liked me. So, Ugh. what happened the next day? Wait,
0: listeners, I need to tell you this. Maggie's yeah. tearing up telling yeah. this story now. This is how powerful this work Isn't is.
2: The dad came to me to another seminar and his, his Adam's apple was going and he said, you've changed my life and my son's life. So what happens now? The very next day, they were walking to school Um, he walked him to school every day, but like a sergeant major in mm-hmm. just 24 hours, halfway there, the son says, oh, dad, I left my math assignment on my desk. And his dad said, I leaned over, Maggie. I've never done that before. I leaned over and said, Do you want me to go and get it or do you want me to send it, you know, contact the school and let them know? And he says, Dad, normally you just shout at me. So he said, What happens now at the end of the day is the front door bangs and my son yells out, Where's my dad? And we have afternoon tea together. You've changed our lives with a note.
0: Now I'm tearing up. Me too. Mm. Note, that was a 14-year-old boy in that story. 14-year-old boys have a deservedly bad rap a lot of times. They are not the easiest humans on the planet to get along with. Also, it's a positively normal
2: development. Yes,
0: Yes. it's all typical. It's all normal. And and that can get in the way of us. See, they want to be loved so much, so so much, and they need it. Yeah. So one of the things
2: Steve Bedoff writes in his or his work, he talks about how dads often turn up, particularly around boys. They turn up as the king, like the the boss of everything, right? They turn up as the critical dad, always criticizing. And that just cuts them so deep. Mm -hmm. They are passive, just never, ever kind of like no boundaries, no thing, or else just completely absent. And all of those can be something that's a consequence of their imprint from their own childhood. Mm-hmm. And in From Boys to Men, when I did the survey and I asked them, you know, what did you want from your dad? And all of them just said, I just wanted him to connect. Very few of them had it, had the connection with the dad, which is one of the reasons why we've got, you know, and there's so many of your incredibly accomplished people you've had on your podcast, talk about the absent father and impact it has down the track statistically Mm -hmm. Um, so we know that you know for for boys if if their dad is any one of those then he's going to struggle finding any worth or value he will think there's something wrong with him and he will take that to school and it will play out in classrooms as well that i'm the bad kid i'm the useless kid i'm the stupid kid and that self-fulfilling prophecy and that mindset is really hard to teach as a former high school teacher it's not impossible because with a good teacher, we can see that. But we can build a connection, we can build a sense of safety, and we can find something that they're competent at, and we can shift that. But it's really not as easy if, as long as we've got it in that space.
0: Mm-hmm. Now going
2: back to the you know dads and daughters because you know obviously I'm i obviously one of those. My dad was the light in my life. He was my attachment figure. Dr. Bruce Robinson in Australia, who's a um, urologist. He noted that when he was working with men who were very close to death, one of their number one regrets was how they had been a father, particularly to their daughters. Mm. And what is really evident, the same sort of thing, a warm, positive connection to a father for a girl means that you will menstruate later, you will have sex later, you will be more confident with your own authentic sense of self and you're much better in whole the whole gender fluidity of life. And so we need to know... Out, you know this is why you know dads really can matter, but also father figures, if there is not a dad. So I think we need to recognise it is the father figure, it's mm-hmm. the uncle, it's the it can even be a bus driver, I've heard of amazing bus drivers who have stepped into that place who check in with kids on as they come on the bus, how's their day, knows when their birthday is. It needs to be, obviously be lovely if it was everyone's biological father. But we also need to know our our world has got other good men and that when we step, when they step up, we can change the lives of children without a dad or with a difficult dad. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's reassurance for moms who are solo momming, especially around 14 year old boys. It's rough. And it is, I will say, because I'm working with several moms right now who it's hard
2: to find those father figures it there's is. no Especially grandfather don't play sport, don't yes. play sport or they're not into something like a band or they're not into you know because it's not in the house but I do want to put that message out again and I'm the same as uh Steve a bit off on that we know that solo mums can raise exceptionally mm-hmm. wonderful young lads um and they will be bumpy in that window there and I think one of the things that I know that works again it's the same thing is that we use less words, but we might write more things and we might show our love in different ways. And those moments of connection, so for me and Jennifer with four boys as well, you know, when they start pulling away from me and a bit more grumpy, then I did ridiculous things like walk past and tread on their toe or I would <laughs> uh, do them the surprise hug from behind or I'd sit on them randomly on the couch going, oh, sorry, Um or I'd wink at them, and if it, none of those worked, I would stand next to them and do a random fart because I just knew <laughs> I wanted them to see I'm not giving up, but I'm, yes. I'm going to stop using too many words. Yeah, yes. one thing I remember yes. that
1: that you said that's always stayed with me too, Maggie, is uh, take them take them their favorite snack late at night. Totally. doing homework. Just especially knock on their when door. They
2: don't deserve it. Exactly. That's especially it when yes of the dog in if they've given you a big mouthing session that means it's not that they're a bad bad lad it means you are the safest person for them to vent big feelings since i don't want else to do with them but we don't take it personally we don't give them the lecture about that is disrespectful don't speak to me like that they're just venting it out and then later on about 20 minutes is the minimum time frame gently knock on doors remember always knock on boys doors
0: this oh. is as much for your protection as it is for theirs, parents of oh, teenagers. Up
2: the knock, pause. And then in you go, no words need to come out. Yummy Bicky, yummy drink. Shove the dog if you've got one. Shove two dogs if you've got them. Shut the door. It. What it does say is we're still okay because what that, that tends to do is that is the biggest reassurance that boy needs because he's been beating himself up. That's not what he would have wanted done to... To the mom that he loves but it's just poured out yeah
0: can we use that adapt that somehow um with our parenting partners so we have a lot of mom listeners and we're talking about you know dads and dads they do want to do a good job they do want to be connected they're human like us they're gonna screw it up they're gonna lose it with their kids they're gonna have a bad day how can we support our dads
2: well, to be honest, they can do exactly the same thing, but for a different reason. So one of the things that dads tell me is they they notice that what comes out their mouth is a lot more harsh and harder towards the son because there's still that conditioning that boys are tougher so they can deal with it, which is absolute rubbish. And you and I and, and you know, all of us have been trying to destroy that particular perception forever. So when a when a when a dad is really disappointed, like the boy may have mouthed off to mum in that moment, we just pause. And if there's a a kind of sense that it's stopped and it's not escalating, um, very shortly we might just, Dad might say, can we just come outside for a sec? So in other words, we're going to have a quick private, come for a walk with me outside. So one of the things we know is that um, when the male brain is wired up and upset, the next part of the brain that wires up is the body, and then much later is the word centre, whereas for girls and women... (laughs) It's wired <laughs> up, and then we go straight to the word center. The words. Right? The words. So, what often happens is mums go straight into the word center, and it's just too soon, and it's not good. So, a dad's probably good with that. He might quietly walk him outside, he might quietly go for a walk with him outside. But in the walking outside, he knows that everything's just gradually just chilling a bit, right? Move the body. It's the reason I always had a backboard and, and shot hoops with my boys when they were in a dark space, partly because I wanted to beat them, but also because halfway through there were things that come out. And the dad then says in a quiet thing, hey, mate, that, that didn't go good, did it? That's not that's not how we speak to our mum, is it? So instead of what they usually get, they just get a validation that it's not okay They get kind of a, they feel like their dad's not going to rip them apart. And then maybe that is, you know, again, um, it's just a quiet thing in that moment because the boys do take it on board and think about it. They definitely do. But if you give them a lecture, they can only last for three or four words because they can't absorb too many words. So we tend to, as mums, give long, 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 long. And dads kind of know less words can be more. Give one story, which... um, has come, you know, as a consequence after I wrote From Boys to Men, where I talked to them about walk with them, you know, get them moving. And this dad had listened to a podcast I've done in Australia on conversations about um, teen boys and why that can be good, where some principals um, with a boy who's really mucking up, walk him around the oval and have the conversation while he, when I thought, how good is that? And I talked about sometimes, um, you know, gestures of kindness can open up some stuff that all the other stuff doesn't. So, this dad's come home. This 14 year old boy at school is continually getting um, really big raps at school. Things are going down. Uh, he's been suspended once. They've taken all his stuff off him the old traditional, you know, let's do punishment. That's bound to work like heck. Anyway, so his dad's heard this podcast, come in the door and said to mum, Hey, I've just been listening to this woman. I'm going to try something different. He's called out, Hey, bud, come for a walk. So his 14-year-old son comes out really suspiciously. Yeah. And they just go walking up to the nearest Maccas. And apparently they sat down, had a bucket of chips and a milkshake, a crisp of fries, you call it, we call them chips. And then on the way home, halfway home, the boy starts sobbing. And he turns to his dad and said, can I tell you what's really happening at school? He said, these year 11 boys have been punching me and bullying me. And they've told me if I dob on them, they're going to cut my face with a razor. And he's held his son till he's finished crying. And then they've walked home. And as he's walked through the kitchen, the boys just called out, hi, mum. Rafe off to his room and the dad just walked in and said, God, who would have thought a walk and a bucket of chips and a milkshake? And we've sorted it.
1: Yeah. And part of that too, and you demonstrated it so well when you were, when you were speaking that, is the pause and being silent, being in companionable silence it doesn't always have to be filled with our words as we as women tend to
2: do it's also the signs yeah gestures they really notice our gestures but also what they notice the gestures we think they don't notice which is when we um go mm. or we roll our eyes at them man that really hurts our boys and no. our
0: dads when yeah. we as moms do yeah. that so. to the dads like oh my god i can't believe he did that yeah. like it cuts
2: They're not tough. They're they're picking up rejection. Of course, what is it that we're all hungry for? Connection. Yeah. We've got safe connection. Doesn't matter, mum, dad, teacher, partner, anything. We're safer. And when we're Mm -hmm. safer, we make better choices. We're calmer in the way we interact with others. And I think that's not what's happening in our schools. (sighs) We're not feeling safe in our schools. So when you're not safe, you're on guard, right? And you know, the number of times that I would, especially transitioning into what we call middle school or the first way from primary to high school.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I would, you know, I would coach boys around, oh, you do you know where everything is? Yeah, no worries, got it. And then sometimes I'd be teaching an upper school class and one of the lower school boys would find me, say, hey, miss, can you tell me where I'm supposed to be right now? And I'm looking at him like he's 12. I said, no, mate, I do- have you got your timetable? Oh, No haven't got my timetable. I said, if you go down to the office, because it's not you know, before digital, they'll print you off a new one and it'll be on there when you're meant to be. Are you okay now? High five. And he went and found me in this in massive high school because he needed someone to help him in that moment because we just assumed he should know where to go. Does this make you wonder what
1: other assumptions we are making about our boys? More from Maggie after these messages from our sponsors.
0: Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of Furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on HomeThreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to HomeThreads.com slash OnBoys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads love where you live. Did you know that we spend approximately one third of our lives in bed? We've talked before about how important sleep is to our overall health and well being and our boys' overall health and well being. And I have learned that my sheets and bedding can make all the difference. I need breathable sheets, I need soft sheets, I need comfortable sheets. But it can be hard to find high-quality linens from sources that you trust. And that's why I am so excited to tell you about American Blossom Linens. Their bedding is made in America from 100% American cotton. It's sustainable, it's ethical, it's environmentally friendly, and their sheets get more soft and more comfortable with each washing. Give them a try. Go to AmericanBlossomLinens.com. Use our coupon code on boys. You'll save 20% and you will start getting a better night's sleep. AmericanBlossomLinens.com.
1: So Maggie, we'd be remiss if we
2: didn't talk about devices. Definitely. We are raising digital natives. Let's be honest. It's, it's part of their world and they need to know how to navigate it. So my challenge, I think, in Australia, and I think it'll be around the world too, is that our kids are disappearing down the rabbit hole. And that means it's hard to get them out of the bedroom to have relationships with them. They also believe, particularly on this journey to adulthood, I don't need you to teach me anything because I just can find it on YouTube. It's, yeah. What do I say to a 14-year-old boy who says that to me? I says, what happens if you lost your phone, mate? What happens if it's flat? How are you going to change a car tyre later if you can't get YouTube? And so what's happened is kind of like, yeah, but the other thing I really worry is the most sensitive window of shaping the character of your boy is early adolescence. It is 13 to 15. And if they're marinated in messages around misogyny, around abuse, porn, um, competitiveness, uh, or even, you know, like be wealthy, be rich, and I'm not going to mention that person's name, then they're going to be conditioned regardless of how well they have been raised. It is an incredibly influential window. So I think how do we do that is that parents need to be kind of, um, we have those conversations, awkward conversations while we drive them around in cars. We also ask them, show me, show me. Can I'm gonna bring my device over. Can you show me if my security settings on my um, Insta, are um, are they okay? So just reminding them that there are settings that can improve their safety. And then we have to have awkward conversations about sending, you know, nude pics and things. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's like everyone's doing it. Mm -hmm. And they are wired to be part of what everyone's doing. It doesn't mean to say we stop having a conversation about what can go wrong. And in Australia, it is actually illegal. You can, if you're caught with those images on your phone, you can actually go on a sexual predators, um, you know, list for the rest of your life, which still won't necessarily stop them because they're trying to do stuff that keeps them with their friendship groups. We need to have a lot more compassion around it and also don't remove their devices as punishment because they're not going to learn to make a better decision. We become their digital coach Mm -hmm. and we go, okay, so just let me know when you see stuff that's uncomfortable, I'm not going to take your device off you, but I want to know how to keep you safe so that your mind isn't led down the negativity bias, which of course all the tech companies are deliberately doing because they make more money out of it. And I want them to have outrage. That's where I trigger the outrage, but you've probably got to be about 15 to get outraged or 14 Mm -hmm. is a girl. I want you to be outraged. They're doing this. They don't care about teens' health. They're doing it to make money. Mm
0: -hmm. And they're
2: doing it because the more ads that are seen, the longer you're on, the more money they make. And when they start looking at that, they start. you've got a different message for them starting to be, oh, okay, rather than just don't do it. It's not good for you because how many teens have ever done that?
0: Yeah, right. it didn't work with us. It's not gonna work with them either.
2: You know, there are lots of great stuff online of teens doing amazing things, of good humans who do great stuff, of podcasts that can expand their mind and work them how to be entrepreneurs. We've got to help them curate stuff that gives them the mindset that allows them to become the adult we really want them to be. And I think, um, and it's okay. It's okay for us to find incredibly funny memes and videos of cats and dogs and send it to our kids because making them laugh helps them stay connected to us.
0: Janet, I think you have likely seen this dynamic come up in some of your coaching clients. I, I see it just in, in people around me because dads don't kind of grow up in parenting culture the same way that that moms do. We're surrounded by kids, whether we want to be or not, and we're immersed in this. So we get to parenting. Often mom has a little bit more of the background info. Mom may already have heard about you know how important it is to listen and connect and all of these things. Dad may still be very much old school parenting. I got to be tough on him. The world's going to be tough on him. And mom hears dad interacting with son in a way consistently that she feels is overly harsh. Then what? How you know how do you handle that dynamic? You don't want to stifle dad's inclination to be an involved parent. And yet you're like, you know, maybe like yelling at him when he strikes out in baseball every time is not the right approach for building a relationship. Just saying.
2: Okay, so I've actually lived this one. Um, The father of my boys is very much old school from Africa, born elite English and very much all those things. And what I really had to keep explaining to my boys was the fact that he didn't have a father kind of experience that was positive. He was at boarding school in in Kenya and Nairobi at five.
0: Oh so, my.
2: And before that he was cared for by black nannies. And anytime he was attached to a nanny, they got a new one. So I kept saying to him, he has got he's had a really awful childhood. He has not been around a father figure. So when you hear him doing that, it's the boarding master. But underneath it, I know your dad loves you. I absolutely know he loves you so I had to keep kind of when I did that to them that meant that their their uh, you know relationship back again was slightly different in like Mm -hmm. the intention for him to do that it is the imprint from our childhood and I kept saying to them well I'm imprinting your childhood so as long as you've gotten the research I even said it when they were six and seven what you know We know that you need one loving, safe human. Now, you've got not only your mum, you've got a bunch of aunties and uncles who are all the same. So you can take it from them. But your dad is doing the best he can with what has happened to him. So rather than, or, you know, and when he did it, there were times, you know, we had conversations when we were calm, he was aware of it, but it just used to happen. Right. And imprints are so strong. And so there's two things, other things I'll say. And when I've got the dads in the room, I'll basically say, so when your co-parent, you know, tags you into something online, read it. That's one Mm. tip. And number two, um, and the dad who kind of came up to me once at a seminar, he was a tradie wearing a high-vis jacket and he did drop a lot of F-bombs. I won't include them in the conversation, but he said to me, oh, Maggie, he said, oh, just, oh, my God, and he started to cry and I thought, holy heck, we're in a room full of 500 dads Anyway, he said, so um, when I became a dad, I love my missus and I love my kids, but my dad kept coming out my mouth and he was an asshole. He was cruel. He was loud. He was awful. I don't want to be him. I just don't want to be him, but I can't read books. I didn't do much schooling. And and somebody told me about your videos on YouTube, which are only short. So in Smoko, I just plug in my phone and I watch you. And, and then he started to cry again. He said, and every now and then, what happened after a month, you started coming out my mouth not my dad and i and he said my missus is so proud of me and my kids are proud of me we're crying i'm crying and i just kind of looked at this man and and he had discovered a way to reprogram his brain doing something that was kind of originally created for um some of the uh, first nations parents i met who also weren't highly literate that wanted to make better choices yeah. so and then the podcast world there is definitely now so many good dad ones who are, are pretty blokey. Does that make sense in a state? Yeah. They're blokey. They laugh a lot, but they drop these beautiful gems. So I feel they've got more chance now than before all this to then become the dad. I know it's the dad they want to be. I genuinely do. Mm. But we know that making them aware of another mistake, criticizing them, complaining about them, freezing them out, Getting angry with them isn't helpful because the four-year-old inside them is, is quite a wounded little boy yearning for a
0: better dad. There's a lot to think about and unpack there, but the possibility, and this is how you change families in generations. That's where it stops. That's where it stops because you make an effort, dads, moms, all parents, aunts, uncles, educators listening, you make an effort you learn different. You start having different voices and influences in your head. It comes out through your mouth, your actions. That is what those boys hear. That becomes their soundtrack. That's a beautiful thing to pass on.
2: So good. And I think also the rupture repair message. So when we do muck up, you know, in the past, we just left it because that's just how it was. But now we go, you know, like when we've calmed down a little, um, and so many of the dads on the podcast have said that that's the best thing they've learnt, that their dad never repaired the rupture, that they come back in later and go, "Hi, that's not how I want to be a dad." So I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sorry about those words, and I'm going to just work harder at being a being the dad I know I want to be. And boom, so what happens to that child is that that. Thing That's just made them feel less safe around you has now returned back to feeling safe again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think the big message, you know, that dads often feel is we've always seen our dads as kind of the rock, you know, like when everything goes rough, dad's going to be there. But what happened with that sort of fathering messages So what we want, and you'll know this, both of you, is that when something awful happens, when we're a teen or even up to 25 because they're at university or college, really bad stuff can happen. What we want them to do is not go, oh, my God, I don't want Dad to know. Yep. Want them to pick up the phone and call Dad. We want Dads to say, i have always going to have your back. I don't care what goes down. I will always come and we'll work it out but I want you to always call me. Don't be ever too scared to call me because I couldn't call my dad and I'm not making that mistake again. And I think um, it's a big message and kids who've got that tend to launch a little more safely.
1: Oh, Maggie, I'm just drinking you in. You are just so, talk about soundtracks to my life. You are one of the soundtracks. And I, I'm just <laughs> chuckling with this, thinking about this dad who's listened to your videos and you have a ton of videos on YouTube. And of course, we're going to put everything in the show notes great. Jen, <laughs> and totally free and, you know, and your books. And of course we know that dads don't really read books, but they might pick up something that's been circled by their, by the mom
2: post-it note in there. You are an inspiration. I have written a heap of books and I, um, so my, I thought I was done. I thought I was done after mothering our boys. I thought I was done after that. And then when my little granddaughters turned up, oh God, I had to write one to help us understand little girls, not writing one for teen girls. But my last book is I've gone back to where I began in the high school classroom where I sat and chatted with kids who were struggling and, and kind of um, we know the world is harder for our teens. They are struggling at all sorts of levels all around the world I've written a book to help parents know how to handle some of the biggest, trickiest things. Like I've found, you know, my son or daughter's vaping. I've just found out that, you know, they're sexually active. I'm not sure if it's depression or is it just angst. Is it help me, help my teen Uh, will come out on the 1st of August. And, of course, for all US folks, that means the audio book and the e-book because it doesn't always tend to land, although sometimes Amazon trucks it over there. So I am. I'm pretty sure that'll be it, guys. Because I think I've done. I can't just write a book for the hell of it. I have to have something burn inside me, and this one is me going back to where, yeah, to where my kind of the reason I stepped into teaching and not stayed going to do you know journalism because everyone thought I was well, first they wanted me to do law, was I you know had a very. um scary attempt at ending my life because I failed an essay. And I realized my my self-worth was really unstable. And I thought, gosh, lots of teens might feel like that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go where I can make a difference. So I turned up in high school classrooms as Mm -hmm. an English and drama teacher. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going back there. Awesome.
1: We are ready for it. We're going to have you back when this book comes out because Uh, All the questions that we didn't get to today, we haven't talked about depression and suicidal ideation and school. We haven't even gone down the school road. So we will definitely have you back
2: for that conversation. Thank you both. Continuing to shine a light on the positives that, you know, our, our boys can bring to the world because it keeps on pointing them And that we keep on getting conditioned because the world just keeps sharing badly behaved men instead of the really good guys who really are the majority of the men. And um, and I think when we get sucked into that, you know, we can see our own sons and our student boy students through that lens. And we need to get that lens out the road because it doesn't have to be that way. And we can do so many things as community members and neighbourhoods and extended families and sporting clubs, a village and a tribe is needed, not just parent. Thank you for everything you do. You know, I love you both.
1: Thank you, Maggie. Love you so much. Australia's boy champion. Watch for her new book, but check out her podcast. All the information is in the show notes. Maggie is truly a gem. This is the On Boys Parenting podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being our listeners and supporting our sponsors.